Well, our preaching series, Scripture Every Christian Should Know by Heart, has guided us well through the fall. This morning we come to one of the most well-known psalms, maybe the most well-known psalm. You can find it printed in your bulletin, and I ask that you recite it with me this morning. Y'all ready? Let's do this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. May God bless the recitation of this psalm. Amen. Well, public service announcement. Ladair Roush, Marshall Fott Pfeiffer, Emma Henson, Waple, Coleman Kiger, Patrick Madigan, Emma Northen, and about 18 other Selwyn Avenue sophomores will be getting their driver's license this year, including someone who might happen to live in my house in just three weeks. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> I will not fear. I'm just kidding. These young people are all fully capable of driving. And I'm actually more excited than Joe is about his driver's license. But occasionally, when I'm being annoyingly overreactive or instructive, which is very often, I have to apologize and say, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust all those other drivers on the road. There are moments when I would like to take both of my children and wrap them in bubble wrap and shove them into the basement until they are 18. Charlotte traffic is crazy, and yet we send them out there anyway because they have lives to pursue, and ultimately the highways and the byways are a place where we actually depend on each other. In spite, on our, in spite of our differences, ironically, we trust each other with our lives when we hop into a car. Perhaps our roads are one of the last remaining environments of trust. Because trust is a risky endeavor. And yet somehow it seems to be a requirement if we hope to live a life of freedom and joy. We have to rely on one another. And so the 23rd Psalm, it's not a creed or a statement of correct belief. It is a confession of trust. It is a poetic embodiment of God's providence and God's care over the course of a messy life with all of its normal twists and turns, day in and day out, step by step. I challenge you to take your bulletin home, cut out the scripture, and tape it to your bathroom mirror and if you haven't already, memorize it. 
It's unusually short. It's unusually intimate. It's lyrical. It's timeless. It's true. We should all know the 23rd Psalm by heart because it has a propensity to seep into your bloodstream and infiltrate your bones. And along the way, one finds that God's steadfast love is not only revealed, but like the, the blood pumping in our hearts and through our arteries, God sustains and God nourishes and God saves. As most of you know, one of my 97-year-old grandmothers, Regine, has had a remarkable life, and so I mention her from time to time. She was born in Poland, raised in Belgium, hidden during World War II. She's a Jewish Holocaust survivor. She served as an interpreter for the U.S. Army as a teenager, where she met my grandfather, who was a captain. They moved to southwest Virginia. She had six children and then she became a widow in her early 50s. She took on this small family business that grew into something more substantial. She traveled the world, she remarried, she still heads into the office when she can, and this morning she is probably enjoying a cup of coffee with her 80-pound pit bull mix at her side. And the most poignant and helpful advice I have ever received from her is this. Just keep moving. No matter what, just keep moving. Well, that's easier said than done. Sometimes we're forced to move or hide or escape. Raising a family is exhausting. Money can be so tight, it's suffocating. Enemies do circle in. Illnesses do come. Loved ones leave unexpectedly. Just keep moving? For the last 20 months, we've been told to stay home, stay put, wait it out. And now we're kind of struggling to figure out how to move again. And for what it's worth, the guy who wrote the 23rd Psalm seems to agree with my grandmother. In only six verses, he lies down in a green pasture, he gets back up, he heads to the still waters, and then wanders down some paths, walks through a valley, attends a feast, He's anointed, he drinks from a cup, and then he dwells in God's temple for the rest of his life. He communes, he dwells, he lives with, he worships with God. Now, we may have been fooled with Psalm 23. It may sound sweet, but it is written in the face of danger and despair. We aren't talking about sweet little lambs or kitschy shepherds with crooks. This guy who wrote this psalm is evoking God's narrative from the very beginning, God's covenant with Abraham and Moses and David. All of them were nomadic shepherds, and all of them were charged by God to do one thing. And what was it? Just keep moving. Yes, they were all afraid and fed up and forlorn and doubtful. They made horrific mistakes along the way. Abraham thought it was a good idea to share his wife with the Pharaoh. Moses had so many excuses that God decides to pull in a few extra miracles in a spokesperson named Aaron. And where do we even start with King David? The ego, the murder, the affair? And yet God's promise was pretty straightforward. 
stick with me. I am with you. I will not leave you. Just keep moving. No matter how bad it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how dangerous, no matter how cruel they can be, no matter what, it will not stay this way. I am with you. I will not leave you. Just keep moving. You know why we say the 20th, 23rd Psalm at funerals? Because death might bring us to our knees. It might shove us into the darkest valley. And while it's true, it's okay to stay there for, for a little while. It does not stop us. And so we stare our enemy, death, in the face, and we confess the 23rd Psalm. Strength in the face of weariness, solidarity in the face of our enemies, peace in the face of violence or danger. The Lord is my shepherd. This is intimate. This is about you. But a shepherd does imply a flock. The Lord is our shepherd. As one can imagine, the sheep from a distance, white fluffy dots on a country landscape, little clouds in a sea of verdant green grass, Maybe an Irish pub rising from the distance like an oasis. That's the fantasy. But you get up close, and while sheep, they are a different matter. They are not like snow. They are usually dirty and soiled. Their coats are not soft and fluffy. They are tangled and matted. You would not want to snuggle with a sheep. They smell. And they make weird noises. Lambs are cute. Sheep, not so much. But if the shepherd is God, well, then you know who we are. We're the sheep. Lovely from a distance, but messy, smelly, and a bit dim-witted when you get up close. They tend to stray in all directions. They're prone to getting lost or easily distracted. They get injured, and they're often caught in vulnerable situations. And yet God gets up close anyway. Sheep depend completely upon their shepherd to guide them. Otherwise, they end up in some cave for six years. Sheep depend on their shepherd completely to tend, to feed, to find them when they are stray. 23 is about trust in God's providence and presence as we navigate real life moment by moment on the go. But the problem is, anytime we trust someone or something, Anytime we put our life in someone else's hands, it is risky. Abraham and Moses and David, they were actual shepherds. They knew about sheep. The 23rd Psalm has been attributed to King David. And yet, every time these three got into some sort of trouble, it was because they took matters into their own hands instead of trusting God. As Jim Mays puts it, Within an environment of trust, strength must be found. A way must be walked. Harm and evil, they will be threatened, even when enemies persist. You trust it's not a mood or a feeling. It's not rosy. It's not romantic or optimistic. It is your beautiful 16-year-old child on an eight-lane highway. And its foundations are, payer, are prayer and thanksgiving and grace and salvation. You know every coin or dollar bill in America is inscribed with some words, right? What are they? 
and God we trust. I guess that means different things to different people, but for folks like us, I think it sums up the 23rd Psalm, because God's sovereignty and providence is implied from the very beginning, and there are many other gods vying for our attention. Our gods and our idols are intimately tied to this issue of trust. As the great reformer Martin Luther wrote, whatever your heart clings to, whatever your heart relies upon, well, that's your God. And every God we cling to demands devotion. And so what choice do we have these days but to divide ourselves socially and spiritually and emotionally? How can we devote ourselves to all our gods? Richard Niebuhr, a 20th century theologian, would accuse us of being a polytheistic bunch. We have so many gods. We cling to our children or our grandchildren, their schedules and their success. How do we decide what they do and what they don't do? We obsess over our homes, our titles and our jobs and our quarterbacks and our golfers and our presidents and our ideologies and even our art. Our gods are cycling and running and money, and how about those braves? And yet none, not one of these other gods will ultimately sustain our purpose or our value or our meaning in life. And we believe in modern medicine, and yet most of us do pray before we go into surgery. We believe in democracy, and yet these days relying on it has seemed a little bit rocky. We believe in love, and yet relationships take more risk and more work and more forgiveness than any young, doe-eyed couple could ever imagine. Kids grow up, adults retire, teams lose, joints start to hurt, social movements pass, regimes fall, empires do too. And if we're honest, sometimes cars crash. Sometimes democracy fails, and sometimes surgeries don't work. Sometimes our souls are hijacked by anxiety and depression. Sometimes we ignore or wound or betray each other. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not if we walk, it's when we walk, and when we are there in that dark valley, where are those other gods? And so here it is. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Walter Brueggemann states, it is God's companionship that transforms every single situation of our lives. It does not mean that there are no deadly valleys or enemies. Of course, the 23rd Psalm knows that there are evil things in the world, but confidence in God, that changes everything. It reveals a new purpose and meaning beyond our feeble attempts to avoid risk. We don't need bubble wrap. Just keep moving because you're not meant to dwell in the valley forever. On the other side is a bounty of abundant life and peace and joy, and that is God's promise for every single one of God's children. 
Consider this very moment here in this sanctuary. Your heart is beating. And the Hebrew word for breath is the same word as spirit. The word is ruah. And every single breath you take is a gift of God's Holy Spirit moving in and out of your lungs, infiltrating your blood and seeping into your bones. You are anointed with God's grace from the inside out in this moment, wherever you came from, you're not alone right now. We may be a ragtag flock of sheep, but the Lord comes close anyway. The Lord Jesus Christ is our shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who said, fear not, little flock. Just keep moving. I am with you. I will not leave you. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And it is by the grace of God that we do not lack. For surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your lives, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship and prayer. Good and beautiful shepherd, the one who created all that is, yet you tend to us with love and mercy and tenderness and peace. We shout endless praise for the embrace and security we find in your care. We are blessed beyond measure in the manna you provide daily, but our hearts still want for more. We find ourselves seeking satisfaction for a greater, bigger, more beautiful life free from pain. Seeking contentment in the things of this world. God, turn our hearts towards you that we may be awake to your many blessings that are lavished upon us. God, you give us rest, you restore our souls. Help us that we may pause invite you into the mess of our lives and find complete and total rest in you. Fill us with the breath of life, renew and strengthen us. Guide us, O oh God, on the path of righteousness. May we stand upright and just before you, that we may live honorable lives, giving glory to you, serving others with justice and mercy and peace. Life is full of hills and valleys, some that are deep and dark and threaten within an inch of life and even death. May we know you in deep and abiding ways in these times. The valley is dark, but God, you give us light. May we seek, nurture, and comfort those who find themselves in the throes of darkness. Sickness and disease, depression and anxiety, hurt, loss, poverty, oppression, homelessness, in all the corners of this earth where precious life is considered a commodity or lesser than. For we all share one table, even our enemies. At your table, God, all is reconciled. All are welcome. We are named and claimed as your children. 
your sheep. Your mercy, loving kindness, covenant love knows no end. May our cups overflow into the lives of others, looking to the one, the lamb who sacrificed all for us, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Siblings, God has shown us the meaning of generosity in the beautiful diversity of creation, in the overflowing love of Jesus Christ, and in the never-ending gift of the Holy Spirit. God has abundantly blessed us and called us to be a community that honors one another, to serve each other with joy, and to share our love and our resources. During this time, we invite you to reflect on the ways that God may be calling you to use your gifts and talents in this season. Let us go to God with our offerings.
Let us dedicate our gifts to God using the prayer printed in your bulletin. God of love, you abide with us. You provide for all our needs and guide us in your ways. Out of gratitude for your care, we bring our gifts to you. Use them for work, your work caring, that all may feast at the table of abundance, walk without fear, and drink deeply from the cup of compassion. Amen. Amen. Amen.